Hello everyone and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your intro host, Ryan Murphy. While Crofton and I did not get a chance to record a normal Dungeons and Diapers this week, we did record the Gamers In together. We covered a lot of the geeky stuff we would normally chat about in our Dungeons section, so we thought we would share that episode on this feed as well. If you already subscribed to the Gamers In, you already have the episode, so you can go ahead and skip this one. However, next week we have a special spoiler cast discussion for Final Fantasy VII Remake. We had a lot of fun with that one, so please do look forward to that. We'll be back with a normal episode in a few weeks. Hope you're all enjoying your summer, and stay safe. Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me this week is Crofton Steers. How's it going, Crofton? Hey, Ryan. I am well, thank you. I am super stoked to be here and to uh, to talk about some video games. I am on vacation this week, and vacation means that I am playing a bunch of games, so I am excited. Thanks for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I should mention Jocelyn is uh, is not here this week. She's uh, she's taking a bit of a break. Uh, that's my fault. So just a quick explanation. If you're wondering why this isn't a The Last of Us Part Two spoiler cast, it's I did record that, and then I recorded it for three hours and realized not a lot of not a lot of people are going to be expecting that as a as a as a normal episode. And there's been a lot of news this week that I kind of felt like it was a good opportunity to do a normal episode. Crofton's a huge Spider-Man fan, so I figured it'd be a good opportunity to get him in here to talk about all that Spider-Man news that is causing some rumblings. So, Last of Us Part 2, spoiler cast, coming soon. I'm editing it now. I recorded it with John Jagger. He's been on the show before. You may remember him from Core and There'll Be Dungeons and Azeroth Roundtable, but uh, we will be back with that later on, and uh, we will cut it up into a, a little series for you folks. But I do have Crofton here from Dungeons and Diapers and a very fine podcast i mean yeah it's pretty good i think it's pretty good i i like uh the people who do it you and i yeah. so that's always good it's true if you like our rapport you will like us just as much on that show and i talked over in a rude fashion uh ryan plugging my other show good bad or bullshit but that's also a great show i understand yeah yeah, Bo Schwartz, uh, Mike Hodgins. It's a you won't find him on the internet, but you'll find Bo on the internet. So those names should be familiar. But uh, definitely check those out if you like what you hear here. Uh, but we are going to talk about video games. We're going to get right into it. And I wanted to kick things off, Crofton, with one of your games. Let's start with you. What do you got on the table? Man, as I said, like I'm playing a lot right now. Uh, Part of it is, and the Dungeons and Diapers show is, is, you know, how you balance your kids and stuff like that. As as you well know, we I've been playing a bunch of games with my kids, so I've, and that includes uh, the new Paper Mario, the Origami King, which is awesome. Like, just tonight before she went to bed, this is not a, a huge spoiler, but the game is divided up amongst these worlds and and each world is connected via a paper streamer, whatever, and we have just 
gotten to the last stream streamer like the the green one is the last one so so we're stoked about that although gwen it will be sad when that game ends um and uh the uh my main sort of game i'm playing right now solo is the uh, ghost of tsushima uh, uh on ps4 and um i'm in i'm enjoying that and can talk a little bit more about that and uh i'm also i've got a divinity 2 campaign going with with my friends which is sort of like a weekly date that we have it's been really awesome uh great for covid times been loving uh loving me some divinity 2 yeah so it's been it's been a a lot of uh, a lot of good uh, gaming goodness i feel like i'm forgetting something but anyway. you have it written here isn't it ring fit adventure Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah yeah! <laughs> it's so this thing you know, that we call show notes. Uh, oh, show notes! Right, right. See, Ryan, <laughs> I'm just giving you a hundred percent of my attention. Um, but uh, Ring Ring Fit Adventure. So that Ring Fit uh, Adventure on Switch is, it, and I'll just talk about this real quick because I, I I don't have a ton of of experience with it thus far. I've played it maybe three times, but um. It's out of stock everywhere, as those of you who may be trying to get it know. It's a fitness game on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it uses this ring, uh, which actually is a heavy-duty ring. Uh, very cool. And uh, um, it was difficult to, to sort of track it down, but I'd seen this news story about, like, oh, Best Buy has some in stock. And then then uh, I looked, of course, it was an American news story. I looked at the Canadian stock there was nothing and then i said oh there's there's one in store near my house not online not not in any of the other stores but in the store nearest my house so i reserved it went over right away picked it up uh my wife has been jonesing to try it uh as part of sort of enhancing her fitness routine and um i tried it i i've played it a couple of times kids watching and stuff and uh, i will just say that it is pretty awesome like it is super well made uh, it, it, I was legit sweating. It, it's kind of cool. It's, it's more than a gimmick. Like, you know, it feels like a super gimmicky game, but it's more than a gimmick. It checks. You can check your pulse after every workout very easily. Uh, you can, you know, you do exercises that are constantly changing. So you never really get sick of it or it's never too much. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just pretty fun. Really well done. If you can get it, which is the big thing, I totally recommend it, but I know that it's super hard to get yeah, no, I, I have this one as well. I ended up getting it shortly before Christmas. I think it was in, uh, at like Staples or something. And yeah, it's it's certainly gone into a bit of a, a renaissance period now with everyone at home and everyone looking to get fit at home and find, uh, you know, treadmills are expensive. People don't have a lot of space and Ring Fit Adventure has just been flying off the shelves. Um, my experience with the game has been... I'm going to say fleeting, which is unfortunate because I think it's a really good way to get a solid workout because my experience and what I've heard is that if you really put the work into it, it is something that gets gets the blood pumping and uh, and causes you to, to sweat a little bit as you're trying to take on some you know various challenges and, and whatnot. Like running, I will say this, running in place feels really silly, but if you do, I think it's the silent mode, it's kind of hops hops in place not hops but like they're not crunches but you're kind of like moving your body up and down um squats knee lifts squats and I, yeah. I, I wouldn't even qualify them like, again it's you what you get what you put into it but i think like the game isn't asking you to do squats it's asking you to do like little little ups and downs again like they're probably just squats and i'm just failing at calling them squats for some reason <laughs> 
I'm in my basement, so I'm I'm doing the run in place, and like you can speed up, and your guy will speed up. I I will be honest. I play a lot of VR games, as you know, and it really does simulate VR in many ways. Like when you're moving the ring, it's a one for one movement with with what that your character is doing on the screen to the point that it feels somewhat like those touch controllers in VR. Uh, and everything is, is, is really well tuned. And, and, and I like that. And I like that it gets my, my heart going and all of this. It is an RPG and, it is very kiddie, which is like, it's not like you're going to do some sort of fitness RPG and it's going to be like super dark fantasy or whatever. It's very, very light, light hearted stuff. And my daughter loves watching it, but you're not necessarily going to get into it for the story per se, but the gameplay itself is seem seemingly so far pretty varied. Uh, and just gives me that, that reason to kind of get off the couch and, and and sweat a little bit so i'm like i'm liking it so far ryan if you don't use yours you should sell it on ebay for a zillion dollars because everybody's paying <laughs> mad bank for it this this feels like a conversation i had with people when nintendo was struggling to uh keep the nes classic in stock it's like well you if you have one you should just sell it and i'm like well i kind of want to keep it in case i ever want to get back to it right and i mean it's been sitting on a shelf but it looks cool on the shelf but I, sure I would say does. Ring Fit Adventure is one of those games where I I I need to get back to it, I think, is, is how I, I will put that. Your gamers in, the listeners should hold you to account. Every once in a while, they should write you a message being like, <laughs> I would just like an update on Ryan's Ring Fit. Where's he at? But um, I, I just switched to Ghost of Tsushima uh, real quick here. I know uh, it's kind of like the, um, the other major PlayStation release of the year after The Last of Us 2. I skipped The Last of Us 2. I'm not saying that I'm not going to play it. It's just that, uh, you know, as we discussed on Dungeons & Diapers, it, the mood has not struck me yet to get really depressed. Uh, and uh, we we will see. Uh, it's still, I recognize that it, it looks like a very impressively made game. But part of me just wants to have uh, some fun. And I thought Ghost of Tsushima would provide that and it and it has so far it has really like you got to set your expectations and for me um the game is very much like uh, and i know i'm not the first to say this like it's like an assassin's creed game but before they switch to the rpgs so um i'm anything prior to assassin's creed origins uh the idea like where you have sort of like a a, a you know a a, a a combat system that's very action oriented plus like some sort of stealth and all all of this in this giant open historical environment where you can go around and stuff and so um it's one of those games that so far like i'm in act one but it's very long like each act is is very long but i think act one in particular is, is quite quite long there's a lot of bloat and stuff but it's one of those things where you're playing an open world game and you just want to like knock things off and like check things and i i don't i'm not like dying to play it every time i boot it up mm -hmm. but i have a hard time stopping once i do start like i'll stay up later than i should i'll be playing it and i'll be like oh I'll just do one more thing i get i and i and i'm having fun at that time so it, it's funny because it's not like it's not the most exciting game in the world but it is very very fun yeah i mean i've uh I've toyed with the idea of picking this one up because uh, I have the PS4 Pro. This is probably the last big PS4 game we're going to get. I've got a 4K TV. I've got it all set up, and it's, it looks great. I played The Last of Us Part Two, and I think that's kind of held me off from picking this one up right after just because I've been enjoying The Last of Us Part Two and, and, and 
trying to get through it, not get through it again, but play it a little bit more and get a little more out of it, even though it is, is quite a long game. Um, and you know, I'm not a big samurai person, but, but where, where I am interested is that, that sort of laid back, turn your brain off open world experience where you're just exploring this beautiful world and having fun doing it. And, and, uh, it sounds like that might be the biggest draw for me with this game. Does that make sense? That, yeah, it does. But that uh, not a samurai person thing is actually pretty astute. It made me think of of what has affected me a little bit with the game. I am not generally a samurai person either. And because of that, that does have a bearing in it. Because like, if you let's think about Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2, if you actively dislike westerns or you just don't care for them that much those games are impeccably made but you would you would bounce off fairly hard because they are very accurate like western accurate um and so this is in the same similar vein except for samurai so if you're not into you know that locale and all that it's like watching a 40-hour samurai movie or whatever at one point you're going to be like okay i'm i'm samurai out here and uh i do find that that's happened a, a couple of times for me however I, I will say what they've really nailed is the combat and that's what's the important part i think when i think of these open world games ryan i have them in sort of three there's three things that that they've kind of one of the three they've got to hit if they hit more than one of the three then that's great but one is traversal so i think that the best one to point to on that is spider-man obviously it's like it's super fun just to get around the open world now ghost of tsushima is like uh i guess a b on on traversal it's like you're riding a horse and you're walking, which you've done in many other games before. And uh, it's fine, but it's not exactly the reason that you'll play the game. Although the exploration and seeing what's over the next hill and all of that is always awesome. There's um, there's the world building and the uh, story, which I'll lump into one sort of category. And that's where a game like Red Dead Redemption 2, I think, really excels, where everything feels so so grounded and real. You're searching each pouch and, and you're getting to know these characters and there's this rich gang's history and all the environments have a history and every NPC has a routine and all of that. That's a good reason to play open world games. And the third one is the fun. And that normally comes in the form of like for lack of a better term most of these games are violent combat and that's where ghost of tsushima like it has two types it's got stealth where you can uh, hide and uh, that's really frowned upon by at least in the early game by um sort of the code of honor of the samurai which is that you you would kill people or fight them face to face uh and uh and the other the other option is face to face to the point that you can like walk into these outposts outposts that video games have taught me for years that i should be sneaking in and taking out all the archers and doing all of this stuff you can walk in the front door and just you have this challenge thing where you can just be like hey who wants to fight <laughs> and then uh and then guys will will rush you and it'll generally be the toughest guys and you'll get this mini game in which you can take them out right away and you can upgrade that so you can take out up to like three guys before the act of fighting even really begins and uh, it's pretty cool in that regard very stylized but the combat itself is like a hodgepodge of the arkham combat which i've always been a really big fan Ooh. of from the batman arkham games um uh, the uh the assassin 
Creed games pre uh, Origins, and um, and it mixes into this into this uh, witch's brew the ability to change stances, and uh, and it, you can win with any stance, but it's a bit like a an active rock paper scissors thing. If there's a shield guy, well then you want to use water stance because that's for fighting guys with shields. If it's a sword guy, you want to use stone stance, and so forth and so on. And you unlock these stances as you progress. So right now, the third stance I have not unlocked yet, but it's for fighting guys with spears. And the guys with spears right now are my fr- are wreck wreck me all the time and drive me nuts. I can still beat them, like I sidestep their spears and just use my my regular attacks. But I know if I get this spear fighting stance, whatever the heck it is, I will be I, I will be so happy. And so there is this you know power fantasy element to it as well. So they really nail that combat gameplay. Uh, very well so that you're always having fun when you're fighting when you're outside of fighting and you're just exploring and stuff it's fine but it's nothing that you haven't seen before yeah the the fact that you so and the other thing i i should let listeners know i've kind of stayed away from the game because i didn't want to uh fall into the trap of purchasing it when i know i don't have really a lot of time to play a large open world game and um now that I've kind of finished The Last of Us Part 2 and Paper Mario is uh, in the realm of I have to wait to play it with my kids um, because they are, every time we go to bed, saying, oh, tomorrow we're going to go do this and this. And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess Daddy can't really continue without you guys watching my every move because you are all in on, on trying to... Gotta say, there's some stuff in that game that happens uh, around the end of the second world, start of the third one, that... I ended up having to have some conversations with my kids. <laughs> oh, me too. I know 100% <laughs> to what you're around. talking about. No, but we should talk about that on Dungeons and Diapers on our next episode with the kids. There is a scene. I know exactly what you're okay. talking about. My daughter was traumatized. Yeah. I had to have a big conversation. My wife got mad at me. Oh, We can talk about it. We should definitely talk about that. I'll write that in the notes so I don't forget because it is totally... And and can be considered a bit of a spoiler, so we'll we'll save it for that show. And and I mean, for those who have played Paper Mario, can probably guess what we're talking about. But anyways, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I kind of stayed away from it, but I had heard rumblings from folks in the Discord and on Twitter that this was very much a callback to the earlier Assassin's Creed. And I know a lot of people said like, "Oh, why would we ever want to go back to that?" And in my mind, I liked the combat in Assassin's Creed because it reminded me of Batman. I love countering um i love the little combos you can set up by properly countering and it's it's not the dark souls counter where you have that split second frame that always you always miss that i just despise but if ghost of tsushima falls more in line with batman arkham asylum and uh the early assassin's creed games like around assassin's creed 2 black flag that time frame um i am down combat wise and i mean i don't hate samurai content it's just not something i actively find myself i don't think i've ever seen the the the, like a samurai film um well right right no say that i've seen i've seen modern ones i think there's like a tom cruise one which i might be like blasphemy to say (laughs) yeah yeah in terms of i've seen a samurai film and that's the tom cruise one uh, I, I I will be honest though, like there has been some big think pieces written about this game. It is a game written about Easterners by Westerners, right? And uh, it, it, so that Tom Cruise movie is not too far 
from the truth in terms of looking at something like Ghost of Tsushima. Um, that said, like uh, Japanese audiences would be receptive and all of this. It's and uh, uh, I, I I do think that it it is a quality game, but it is a video game as video game, and I mean that being uh, in that. Um, you know, like let's take Red Dead Redemption. You're riding on your horse. You see, you see an herb. You get off your horse. You go. You cut the herb. He takes out his knife. He cuts it. He opens his pack. He puts it in it. In in Ghost of Tsushima, you see an herb. You you're you're uh, you're riding your horse. You just ride by it. Tap R two. Bam! It's That's... just magically. In, it's it's everything's magically in your in your kit, and um, you know. Everything is like that. Everything is very, very video gamey. Um, so if Red Dead went maybe too far in the side of immersion, a ghost is in the in the other direction. And yeah, it, it very much um, resembles the Assassin's Creed games. Uh, but it, it, the, I would say that Assassin's Creed has never had combat this good. That said, I was really into the early Assassin's Creed games, especially circa Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, um, uh, even like I, I played the heck out of 3. I know it wasn't uh, super criti- criti- well critically received, but Revelations before that, that was when I was like really into Assassin's Creed. I really loved those games. And I, Ghost is not echoing with me to the same level and i feel like part of that may be that i am older um and and it's not necessarily a reflection on the game i think like i i see a lot of how the game is made now and all the connected tissue and it is very much like oh you look at your mini map and you see where your missions are and and there's some that are like the bonus things that you go in the hot springs and it it increases your max health. If you find the the shrines and you pray to them, it will increase the amount of charms that you're able to carry. You know, it's all in the process of upgrading your character and, and so forth and so on. So, I mean, I see the seams, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect me enjoying it. I would just say that, that, that um, the lead protagonist, um, uh, is not overly burdened by charisma. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so he's he's fine, um, and uh, and you know he's the last samurai uh, to a certain extent. But he's not like he's not. You're you're not super attached to him, and that that you know has a bearing. And I think that they learned that early on with uh, Assassin's Creed. Uh, Assassin's Creed. As soon as they hit it with um, Ezio, they just pumped out Ezio game after Ezio game because they it makes a difference. Like if you're if you're like uh, you know I care about this guy, I'm rooting for this guy uh, or girl. It, it it makes a difference, and um, and yeah. So I would say it's like. Like, look, you would play it. You would have a good time. I, I totally foresee it as a game that you would drop after you. Maybe you'd make it out of Act One or whatever. I doubt that you would. You know, you would play it to completion. I, I'm not even convinced that I will play it to, to completion. Although I might. You know, it's the summer of vacation and all of that sort of stuff. Um, there's a there's a lot about it that is super beautiful in stillness, like taking screenshots and in photo mode. In motion, it still looks good, but there's some stuff that's janky. Like it it's uh, when you take on something in this scope, there's always going to be stuff like that. Um, but I I would say I you know like if I was scoring it based on my limited uh, limited time, I'd say it's a seven point five eight out of ten. And I would say that like I'm playing Paper Mario with my daughter, and perhaps it's playing it with my daughter. Uh, but but I am enjoying that game quite a bit more probably, and 
part of the reason I'm enjoying it more is because, um, because because of remember I said those sort of three tenants. It's not an open world game, but the three tenants of those types of games. Mario's really got it everywhere except the combat, which is kind of the weak link that 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 gameplay. But everything else, uh, it has like full worlds that are fun to explore. Really kind of funny writing and characters, endearing characters, and and, and you want to just learn more and see more. Everything is so beautiful and different. Uh, you're not getting the same stuff over and over until you're in, you know, inundated with it and stuff. So if I was putting those two games side by side, I would say, and you only had to choose one, I, I would lean towards Paper Mario of those two, but you already have Paper Mario. And Ghost, I will say, is definitely not a game for kids. There yeah. is a lot of, it may not be Last of Us 2 level, but there's a lot of gurgling, let's just put it that way. <laughs> and I, I'm curious, my, so the, my question that I have when it comes to the description of a video game, mass video game, open world type experience is when, if I were to, so if I were to play Ghost of Tsushima, I don't want to be burdened by side content. I kind of want to just focus in on the story, but I felt with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is the most recent open world game I've, I've found myself lost in here and there. You, you get gated by levels. So, oh, you're not high enough level to do the next story content. So you got to do a bunch of side stuff to kind of get there. Like, do you find with Ghost of Tsushima that you've been able to just progress the way you want to go in the main mainline story, or has been has there been a lot of checklists? Hey, you, you first, I'll answer your question with an answer. Then I'll answer your question with a question. Ooh. So the answer is, yeah, you can do whatever you want whenever you want. That the question is, are you the type of person? That when they when they get side quests from main characters or whatever, feel imp- like it, the imperative to resolve them or to like when you open up your map and see that the next main quest is at the bottom of the map and you got to walk down and there's three like significant sub quests in between there that you don't have to do. Would you stop to do them or will you go down to the main quest? Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll answer this honestly. I would probably do the side quest if the character I'm doing it for is interesting. So you say the main character is a bit of a uh, you know, dud. Dud. Okay, thank you. Uh, I was gonna say he's not a wet. It doesn't sound like a wet blanket. It just sounds like he's there for you to control. But are the auxiliary characters, like the secondary characters that you're discussing and, and having conversations with, are they? at least engaging and interesting because that yes. would drive me to do the side stuff. Yes, exactly. They are. And so right, right now at the beginning, one of your, after the tutorial bit, one of your major things is bringing together kind of a crew uh, of, of folks of, of remaining samurai. Uh, the samurai have kind of lost following the intro. And now, now you gotta, you gotta find a couple of specialist samurai, bring them all together. And, um, so technically, each one, you just need to go and do the very first mission uh, as part of the story to recruit them. Uh, but each one is gonna, has a chain of subquests, and it literally will tell you as the video game ass video game of this video game rears itself again. <laughs> it, it will say like one, you know, Makoto quest, one of seven. Um and and you only need to do the first one to secure their th- them participating in, 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 and then going on to to the next major story quest, but 
you will, as part of that first quest, it is like the beginning of a movie, um, and it will be very incomplete uh, in, unless you, you know, proceed with the next quest and the next quest. And they're all, all very personal to these much more charismatic side characters. Um, and so you just feel like, oh, I, you know, I got to do the next one. Don't I have to do all of these? And at one point, the quest trains will pause like normally you do you maybe do three or four of their eight quests and it will pause and i'm pretty sure i won't be able to continue their quest until the next act i haven't confirmed that yet but um but yeah so so for me it's like one of these things like i'm not necessarily a completionist and there's sort of a, a tier list of quest levels in ghost of tsushima but man I have a hard time riding past like these these major characters that are in the middle of major quests, especially when my next main story quest is at the exact southern tip of the island, and I've got to ride by all these quests to get to it. You know, I'm, and then then while you're stopping at these camps and stuff, people are like, "Hey, did you hear about the sake factory? It's being invaded by Mongols," and you're like, "Oh shit, I got to check that out. It's en route." You know, so it, the list just keeps filling up but because the list is essentially always leads to awesome battles um i don't mind you know i don't mind so much so yeah and that and that'd be my thing if the combat is very engaging i could find myself doing more of the side content and i i i think i'm i think the only thing holding me back from picking up this game is strictly is uh is just time and and i guess uh purchasing it as well like again i don't want to buy something that's gonna sit there i i can see myself you know we're gonna talk about it a little later when we talk about avengers i could see myself maybe filling the avengers gap in september with ghost of tsushima and i don't necessarily need to wait for a sale because i think if i would i'd be waiting too too close to the next generation not that i've decided if i'm dipping into the next generation but i feel like i won't see a sale on ghost of tsushima until at least the november december time frame and um yeah, I don't know. I think by then I'd I'd probably just forget about it. You know, my there's just so many games uh, coming out in the in the winter, right? So, yeah. So Ryan, b- before uh, we move into some of the notable news of the week, I'm curious what you're what you're playing. Then, if still Last of Us, is that it? Uh, I have been playing The Last of Us, and uh, as I said, I'll I'll have a spoiler cast for that very soon. I'm editing it and enjoying listening to Last of Us music and. Pretty much, I'm I'm looking forward to moving past The Last of Us Part Two, and and I've done that with with smaller games, as our listeners will know. I played Desperados Three and and some other titles, but the most recent game that I've been using to pull myself away from from that world is a completely different game called Destroy All Humans, which is a remaster of a 2005 game. This is a, a originally a pandemic game, uh, actually funny. Not really, yeah. Anyways, um, it's a long shuttered company that used to make open world sort of destroy them, destroy it all type games, and yeah, destroy all humans. Have you played that? Do you remember that one back in the day? I don't know, fifteen years ago, but I do, I do remember destroy all humans. In but I never played it, and I know that it it led to like a trilogy of games, and I remember thinking at this time like. Um, and it's funny because as an older Crofton that's open to more experiences would be like, oh, yeah, cool. I should have played that. But I remember being thrown off at the time being like, I don't want to play some alien or whatever, just destroying stuff. But at the same time, I felt 
I feel I feel like I was too limited by having to see myself in the main protagonist at that time. You know yeah. what? Like I, I see see myself be a be a human or be whatever. Well, now I play games where I'm a goose. You know, like so things have changed. <laughs> Are and, you, and Mil, you're a goose, right? Like you can see yourself being a goose. Yeah, I could see myself as a goose. Pretty much, it's not too far removed. But like, yeah, uh, I, the uh, the Destroy All Humans games I missed entirely when they came out the first time, and I was actually surprised that they did well enough to warrant a remaster. Yeah, so this is uh, this shouldn't really surprise anyone. This is a THQ Nordic uh, product. Not not to not to disparage it at all. It's just I and I I'm gonna recover here and say I love what THQ Nordic is doing and that they're ta- they have all these old and some aren't as old, but they have all these properties that they picked up from the THQ sale, which included a bunch of pandemic um, titles. Uh, they got uh, this was later on, but they got. Uh, Damn, one of my Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning? Kingdoms of Amalur, yeah. And they, another one, and they, Disparados 3 was another one they did. And Destroy All Humans, um, they, this remaster, it's, it's weird. Like, it's very much a 2005 game. So when you're playing it, it's not going to, it's not a, a remaster that is, that is completely, it's not a remake. It is very much a remaster. So you're experiencing, some 2005 stuff here written dialogue they warn you right away like hey this is a product of of the early 2000s and you experience that there's a lot of talk of uh probing and uh some some jokes that fall flat but within the time frame of 2005 it it totally works but the idea here is that you play uh an alien called crypto and he has been sent to earth to save his clone or a previous clone because uh, the Furon DNA has been watered down so much that they're unable to keep their immortality intact through cloning, right? So their DNA has been watered down so much. And, and I guess there's this conversation about how Furons came to Earth. They left a bunch of DNA there and they mingled, so let's say, with, with the population. So every human has some pure Furon DNA. So the idea is there, you're there to um, source that DNA in in as about a crazy ways as you'd think like they're you have tools to basically uh you know make their heads make humans heads pop and the brains pop out and you collect them and i think i just did a mission where i got a a a probe we'll just we'll just say it's a probe and it does it does it goes in the other end so uh yeah it's very much a 2005 game and and you i i think the the graphics look great like they've really bumped them up in a way that that brings them to the 2020 level where you start to see the seams is in dialogue not from the main character i think they did a really stellar job of bumping the alien up really well the alien you play but when you say when you see other human characters and they start having conversations it's very much okay that that is that is falling that is definitely 2005 that's that's gotten that bump up but i'm impressed hey with did what you see the new justin timberlake album <laughs> it's off the hook yeah, yeah. uh the you know what that actually makes it more appealing to me the idea the idea that uh, like I can't even tell you in my mind what two thousand five sounds like but uh, the fact that it would be a time capsule from that specific year like that was the year for me you know like I, I I'm older than you I, I you know I graduated university in two thousand three I was I was in the workforce in two thousand five it's just it's just such a uh, you know, World of Warcraft had just launched in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, it's anyway, it's it such a such a moment in time that I can't 
particularly visualized. So that makes it more appealing. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, well, we, we, you and I talked about the Final Fantasy VII remake, which we did a spoiler cast for, which is still sitting on the hard drive that needs to be edited and will be released on the TGI feed at some point um, once I get around to it. And that really reminded me of 90s writing. Even though it was a remake, it, it felt very 90s. But they still kept that that feeling alive. But destroy all humans being a two thousand like straight up remaster of a two thousand five game, they didn't change the writing, and the writings, it it you know what it reminds me of the early so this is a riff on Grand Theft Auto right Grand Theft Auto three came out, I'm thinking, if I'm trying to remember like it was it was probably two thousand one two thousand one so okay really early two thousands. And Destroy All Humans is very much like, oh, wow, Grand Theft Auto did really well. And you saw a lot of these open world games come out that very much feel like early Grand Theft Auto 3 and that sort of era. And you feel it. Like, you feel it when you're walking around. You feel it with the way they've designed the cities. And honestly, going back to that style of game has been really cool because it is very it is an open world game, but it's, it's kind of bite size. It's not your here's the biggest map we've ever made. No, it's uh, here's a small suburban town and you're going to run around it and pop some heads and fry some humans and and just have a blast doing it. And I am totally getting that nostalgia trip because I played this game with my brothers. I remember renting it on Xbox and playing it with my brothers and just having a blast. And we played the sequel as well. And yeah. I mean, I'm having fun with it. I'm gonna. I gotta play some more of it before I'm able to kind of go more in depth. But uh, I think Jocelyn's also picking it up, so we'll have some thoughts, further thoughts next week. But it's uh, it's uh, it's available on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. And I was just gonna. I think it's like thirty bucks. So it's not, it's not, it's not crazy pricey for. for I was gonna ask you actually. Yeah. So it's thirty dollars. Uh, yeah, thirty dollars Canadian. So. That's actually pretty good considering like a remaster. Sometimes, you know, they come out with these remasters and they try to get full price. But for a 2020, for a 2005 game being remastered, this is a, that's a solid price point. So I don't know what it would be American. I'm, I'm guessing it would be like 25 maybe around there. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, I'm enjoying it. We'll talk more about it next week. And uh, hopefully you too will join us in destroying all humans. Uh, let's go over to the Patreon. Uh, I want to thank everyone who is a patron at patreon.com slash the gamers in. If you're looking to be our August patron, you can join up fresh this month and you'll get a shout out all month. Being a patron not only supports the show, but it gets you early access to our mini show that I do called the TGI Patreon mini, where I go over stuff that we're doing for the week, both on the gamers in and summoners call, which is a TGI presents podcast. All right, let's move into the news. Crofton, let's talk about this first story here, which should be pretty quick, but um, surprising all, Halo Infinite, its multiplayer, is going to be free to play. So you're not going to need to buy the game to play the multiplayer. And that's kind of big news in the sense that Halo is the premier offering for multiplayer from Microsoft, right? It is. uh, And honestly, like, I think you know halo needs a bit of good news right now um and this sounds what the doctor ordered it's part of microsoft's grand strategy to get people into their ecosystem um be it through the the um uh what is the pass there oh uh, well now it's just called game pass right yeah game pass uh and you know like they haven't been 
making the hard sell on the console in the same way that Sony has um, uh, for the next generation, because you're going to be able to play anywhere, PC, Xbox One, uh, Xbox Series X, and all of this. And now they're saying, hey, look, the Halo Infinite multiplayer will be free to play. And, you know, from, from what we gather, they're adding this massive campaign, open world like Halo hasn't had before, single player. People love the Halo campaigns. I have no doubt that they will still sell tons of copies of Halo Infinite. They've talked about Halo Infinite as a 10-year um, platform for Halo. And so I, I, I think that it makes perfect sense Um instead of reverting it to free to play later and angering people that may have paid full price, you go out the gate, you say, look, the multiplayer portion of the game is free. Um, if you want the campaign, it's going to cost, it's going to cost you some money and, uh, and then move on from there. I have no doubt that they will have ways to monetize the multiplayer as well. And you'll be less annoyed by that if you didn't pay anything to play it to begin with. Yeah. And, and Microsoft has come out and confirmed that Halo Infinite will have the, will have their multiplayer free to play. Um, there's was some other stuff unveiled in this sort of leak, but hasn't been confirmed. But Microsoft has said they've got more to share when it comes to Halo Infinite. And I think that's a big deal offering this multiplayer free to play. Like, I don't think I've seen anything like this outside of, I guess you could count Fortnite, but then like, you know, Fortnite, you can buy the, but no one, no one plays the, uh, you could argue no one plays the survival Fortnite mode and they just spun off the Fortnite free, but that's kind of the closest thing I can think of to where the campaign is a paid product and you can get the multiplayer portion of it for three for free, right? It's, um, it's kind of a big deal. They didn't need, and I don't think Microsoft needed to do it because again, with game pass and just the popularity of halo, this is an interesting experiment and, I hope I hope it works out for them. I, I really do want to see Microsoft succeed here, and I love Halo. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll obviously have more details on that as we go forward. But uh, speaking of Microsoft Game Pass Ultimate, will deliver a hundred plus a hundred plus games directly to your mobile devices. I should you know state Android only at this time. Uh, beginning on September fifteenth. That's right. X Cloud is launching on September fifteenth, and it is part of game pass ultimate this is a big deal i mean you guys uh, on good bad or bullshit just did a streaming episode right where two-thirds of the co-hosts used yeah. a similar service right yeah no for sure uh i think streaming services are the way of the future despite stadia's shaky launch um and uh i i you know i know there's a lot of uh research from the big big companies xbox uh and sony in terms of how how to best do that playstation now uh for sony and and um you know the 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 game pass obviously amazing deal i have had game pass on pc for for ages having games on my mobile device has always been something that i've thought that i wanted like um and uh where i am in my life now i realize that i'm not necessarily sure that i am the target audience that would take advantage of this like pairing a controller with my phone and then you know going around with that and using the phone controller pairing as a mobile as a mobile gaming platform 
But at one point in my life, I really valued mobile gaming and being able to, to, to go around and to travel. And I think right now we're, we're all in that spot where we're all kind of limited to our houses and stuff. Um, and because these games have now just jumped to 4K and all of this, and the, I, I think my interest in playing a lot of them on my phone is is reduced. So this isn't the 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 amazing thing that I would have felt that it would have been maybe if a, a few years ago for me personally. Mm-hmm. But I can see how again it's part of Microsoft's overall strategy to really sell the value and and get people playing in their ecosystem everywhere. So I really think it's cool. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a neat move and it's it's clearly part of a grander plan to bring all of these things together. Yeah. I mean personally when it comes to streaming uh games within within the household, I've had a lot of luck with Steam Link and um the use case that I've been able to find specifically has been I'll turn my PC on and I have a treadmill downstairs and I have an iPad Pro. I'll run Steam Link on the iPad Pro and able to run while playing games and not have to like drag my console or my PC downstairs to play the game I'm currently wanting to play. That's how I've been playing some of Destroy All Humans is just playing it through Steam Link on a, I think it's a 8-bit, 8-bit Doe SN30 Pro or something, just a little you know, uh, a little uh, little controller, so it's not not necessarily getting in the way when I'm trying not to fall flat on my face. Wait, 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 mm. wait, wait. So you are running on a treadmill and yes. playing the game at the same time? Yeah, yes. Is this something people do, Ryan? I, I'm pretty sure people do it. I mean, people watch movies while they're on the treadmill. I know that doesn't require using your hands. I, I'm not saying, are, like, I'm getting... Are you walking? No, I'm running. Or... So you're running and <laughs> yes. trying to play with the controller at the same time? I you get really good at it as you uh, as you experience it. It's something that I had to ease into, but I, I'm at the point where where I can. I'm pretty. I've got it. I've got it down. You know. Do do your gamers li- in listeners know this? Is this a new revelation? I don't or think is it's something- new. I've talked about this before. I don't talk about it every week, but um, and you know. They should- for- what hammer you with questions they should be sending in either mockery or questions being like i don't understand how this even works i just explained ring fit which is a game designed for working Uh out but but your thing is like i'm trying to add challenge like i'm playing dark souls I'm, I'm, i'm doing a no hit run where if i get hit once i lose and i have to run at the same time on a treadmill it just feels like you're adding you're adding complexity. So you've got the iPad sitting at the end of your treadmill. You've got your controller and you're trying to run and play the game at the same time. I just want to be sure I understand this. Is this it? That, that is it. Yeah. You've, you've, okay. you've described what I'm, what I'm <laughs> doing. And I, and I think, I mean, um, from a mockery standpoint, I can see people writing in who are runners saying, well, you're not getting the proper workout. And it's like to that, I say, well, I'd rather do 30 minutes of that than give up after five minutes. Right. It's all about distraction and it, it there's only certain games I can play with it, right? Um, where Desperados Three worked really well because it was a very it was a very paced game. Like if I needed to stop what I was doing, I could take that pause to just focus on running. And Destroy All Humans is another one where you could just shut your brain off and you're just moving your contr- you're you're you're, distract- you're, just, you're distracting yourself with the game. And and um, that is one very niche use case but i think the major use case with these with this with xcloud is going to be gaming on the go um what i'm more interested in is not necessarily gaming on the go but accessing um 
a game that I can't play because I don't have the proper hardware or I, or accessing a game at the maximum settings that I can't run on my current hardware. So this service will be coming to Xbox One and uh, Xbox Series X and PC at a certain stage where you'll be able to play the... I don't know why you would do that with Xbox Series X, but um, with Xbox One, it'd be, it'd be great to play your xbox series x game i don't know if that's how it'll work but that's kind of what they're saying is like if you have a a device that can play um an x cloud game then you can play it right you don't have to have you don't have to go out and buy the the bigger box if you're cool playing a streamed game but the news here is like bundling it in with game pass ultimate without it being a value added you know oh pay us an extra five bucks and get game pass ultimate plus x cloud for 20 bucks a month that is a huge deal because essentially it allows you to enjoy those ultimate games um, anywhere you want to without having to worry about it. So for you and I who don't think it's a, it's, we don't think it'll be something we use very much. Well, if we're paying for a Game Pass Ultimate for access to first-party Microsoft games, we now have the ability to play it wherever if we want to. Like say you want to I don't know, play it quickly on your lunch break. You can do that on your phone, right? And let's say it's a game that... I, I mean, I wouldn't play The Last of Us Part Two on my phone or my iPad. I'd want to save that for the TV. However, if I wanted to get a quick game in of Halo Infinite on my lunch break, that's probably a really good use case where I'm not necessarily losing out on the experience or the content. I'm just playing a multiplayer match, right? Maybe yeah, poorly, I, I but. I guess so. That's true. And it depends on the type of game it can, you know, there's a lot of different types. Um, I, I will, can I, do you permit me to do a sidebar of a complete rant that this made me think of that has nothing to do with this? Sure. Yeah. I will, yeah. I guess. All right. Yeah, good. Why not? Thank Go. you, Ryan. Um, so uh, Steam Link, you mentioned. Yes. I, I was actually curious in this because my wife and I wanted to play uh, Divinity Original Sin 1, uh, which I own on Steam. We wanted to play it on the TV. Um, and I was like, well, geez, what's the easiest way to do that? And without moving the entire computer and connecting it to the TV. And I saw, you know, looked into it and it's like, oh, you can just, you know, cast through Steam Link. And I said, okay, well, that sounds great. And I took a look. I have a, a new smart TV, um, like fairly new, like it's a year old or something. So very nice 4K smart TV. Um, has a bunch of in-system in apps. And uh, one, one of those apps should be Steam Link. But it's not because Steam has an exclusivity seemingly agreement with Samsung TVs. Uh, so the Steam Link app is only in Samsung TVs. I have an LG TV, and even though it could potentially run it, it is not running it. It, it does not have it. So if I want Steam Link, I would have to go out and buy like a Chromecast or something like that. You know, something, an external device, which is like not the end of the world, except that I already have a cutting edge smart TV. And the only reason that I can't use it is because corporations have signed exclusivity agreements. Now, hmm. I wonder if that will seg into our next topic. I think it will. I think it will. And and your uh, your conundrum with Steam Link, I I don't know. I've I I've not played it on the TV, so yeah, I don't know what you would need to buy in terms of a device. I have an actual Steam Link, which is a a piece of hardware that Valve. Put oh, out. nice. They're not you selling give it, it to anymore. Me. I, oh. I, they were selling it for next to nothing. You could probably get one on Facebook mar uh, Marketplace or something for like 
10 bucks. Yeah, and it they moved great. it to be a software thing. So, like, yeah, I think you can get Steam Link on a lot of things now. It's just you can't get it on my particular smart TV. And obviously, the devices that are connected to it are like a PS4, and you can't get it on that either. No. You know, like, but, uh, but so I have a bunch of smart devices. I've got eight versions of Netflix that I could watch on my TV, but I cannot get the stupid Steam Link. I, anyway, just. I, I'm ready to move on. Well, okay. In terms of your exclusivity segue, uh, probably the biggest news that we're going to talk about in terms of our, uh, you know, collective, uh, you know, just giving giving a poop is Spider-Man being a PlayStation exclusive character for Marvel's Avengers. And I will get out front and say this right now. Um, this is This is not good. Uh, there are reasons for it happening that we will discuss, but a game, Marvel's Avengers, that is going to be available on PS, PlayStation, Xbox, and PC, uh, that being Xbox and PlayStation platforms, including the next generation of those platforms, and then it's a hero-based game with content very much tied to those heroes, be it story, cosmetics, rewards, all that stuff, Um not allowing a hero to be on all platforms just punishes the players that don't own a PlayStation 4 or choose to purchase the game on a platform that has more of their friends playing. So for me, when it comes to maximizing the amount of people I can play with, this is an online multiplayer game, it's PC, right? Um, If I buy this on Xbox or PlayStation, if I buy it on Xbox, I'm going to have next to no one to play it with. And if I buy it on PlayStation, I'll have, uh, you know, a, a higher tier, a higher grouping of people to play with, but still not as many as if I were to pick it up on PC. And Spider-Man being, I think it, it is the most popular Marvel character, uh, only only maybe edging out, you know, um, Wolverine in terms of popularity, right? So this edging is... Big... Out. You, by edging out, you mean kicking his ass, but keep going. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to make it a close race here, but I think it sounds like Spider Man is 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 top of the heap. So this is and this isn't and this should also not be surprising because um, Crystal Dynamics, the developers, had announced and Square Enix had announced that uh, a year ago that they had a special deal with PlayStation. They weren't detailing it, but they were they were basically laying the groundwork for this announcement. In that this is only part of that, you know, platform exclusive content. Um, but Spider-Man being a whole hero, being devoted to a specific platform, is the biggest piece of this, and it's a huge deal in my eyes, and, and a huge and a kind of a a bad rap. It gives it gives the game the game was already struggling, right, in terms of public perception. But this is not not helping. But but Crofton, like, what are your feelings on 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 this announcement? Well, Ryan, I fundamentally disagree with you. Spider-Man should only be owned by PlayStation users, and you should feel bad for your opinion. No, I look, I I think that you're not swimming against the current here. Um, there's a couple of notable things. Uh, number one, I context spider-man as i've mentioned on dungeons and diapers a few times spider-man is my absolute favorite fictional character of all time like he is in terms of impact on my life uh you know interest throughout all of that spider-man is 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 numero uno which makes me very disappointed that in recent years he has been the subject of you know much corporate belly aching between 
major multinational corporations, be it on the film front or the video game front or whatever. Um, there's been some great content, obviously, but it's it, it's just disappointing. You know, like this is not how I want to see Spider-Man used. So uh, that that those are my Spider-Man bonafides. He's an, he's an amazing character. I love him. Um, so number one, Spider-Man's in the new Avengers game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that alone was a huge kick in the pants now it's it's he's dlc he doesn't he's not part of the game or whatever but i have played pretty much every spider-man game that has ever come out and the fact that this game was not on my radar as a spider-man game it was on my radar as an avengers game and i was like oh yeah you know whatever maybe i'll play that at one point might wait for a sale so forth so on oh now it's a Spider-Man game. Now I I know it's not a Spider-Man game, but he's going to be a fully playable character. Um, you know they're going to do a whole you know move set and all of this, and he's going to have downloadable story content. So all of a sudden I'm like, wow, that in itself is huge in terms of raising my interest, my personal interest in this title, a title that, as Ryan rightly points out, has been struggling in terms of public perception. Um, And even like today, uh, they have had all the websites have run sort of, you know, final previews of the game. And all of them have sort of, except for maybe Polygon, have all kind of come and said, oh, well, you know, there's lots of pieces here. We're not sure how this is going to come together. And there's a lot that could be worked on. And previews are notoriously gushing for the most part of these big games. Uh, So like, you know, the writing's on the wall that this will likely be a, you know, at least at launch, not an anthem level disaster, but maybe a six or a seven out of 10. I don't think I'm too far afield than speculating on that we could we could see um i you know i would love to be pleasantly surprised because i love all marvel properties and i and i think they're due for a good game like this so hopefully this ends up being that game or at least growing into that game so that that you know they need it they need to win and the fact that spider-man is going to be in this game is like a huge thing for uh, is a huge thing for me and has raised my interest in the game now second part of the story Spider-Man is only going to be available to Sony PlayStation users. Now, will I have I have a PlayStation 4 now? Will I have a PlayStation 5 in the future? Maybe. So can I play Spider-Man? Yes. Will I feel good about it? No. Uh, and because it, it, this is really like a situation where uh, where corporate greed is leading the way, and this is not this is not a situation where. Um, you know, like a map is available exclusively to PS4 users or it's a timed exclusive or something like that. It might be, but they haven't done any com- communications that suggest that it will. Right now, it's suggested to be an exclusive, exclusive character for Sony. Um, and so that says that says to me that like, like it, it's imagine if you will, the equivalent would be like, you know, Mickey Mouse is an exclusive character for a Disney game or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, only to Sony. Now, I know Spider-Man isn't so intrinsically thought of as an Avenger in the same way, but that said, he is the flagship Marvel character. You're adding him to this game and you're only giving him to one group of uh, of uh, console owners for as part of an agreement. I mean, that feels scummy. It feels dirty and it's while there's been these types of agreements before, they have never involved an addition, 
as as substantial as a character like Spider-Man. And and I think that uh, that is what's making it resonate. Like it's not the soniness of it. Like if they were like, "Oh yeah, there's a couple of extra strike missions." Or even if they said Hawkeye was exclusive. <laughs> yeah, okay? it would like, be a big deal. Yeah, it wouldn't it, like it would be a deal, but it wouldn't it would be, be a deal, but not as not as yes. ground shaking a deal, right? It, it's the fact that it's Spider Man, and there's people like me that, as much as they love to talk a good game about, like I am not going to support this type of corporate shenanigans. Like odds are, like if the game comes out and gets decent reviews, and then Spider Man's added, and that DLC gets good reviews, and they're like, oh, he plays well, he plays like Spider Man should play. I'd be like, well, maybe I'll get that game for for my for my Sony Play Box, you know, like so. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm mixed. I'm torn. I, well, I'm torn about getting it, but I'm I'm not torn about the fact that I agree entirely with your initial remarks. Yeah. So there's been there's been some talk, further talk about this announcement, and Crystal Dynamics has tried to clarify what's going on. And from what I've been able to glean from stories, is that Crystal Dynamics basically said like this is you know Sony and Marvel have a special relationship when it comes to the Spider-Man character that. We all went through this last summer with the sort of breakup between Sony and Disney and then the the not so not quick enough patching up, right? And they're still writing on the wall for that relationship and that very much Spider-Man could walk into the sunset or become two versions or whatever or the same whatever. It's it's going to get messy in like 2 years. But when it comes to the games, the games always felt like this safe space where you could have Spider-Man and and even other Marvel characters like the you know the X Men and the Fantastic Four, engaging with all the Disney Marvel characters that we know from the movies. Now, from what we've experienced from this Avengers game, they're very much using the Disney um, Marvel Avenger characters with the Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, that sort of thing. Um, but with Spider Man. Uh, they've said that because of the unique business relationship between Sony, Marvel, and PlayStation, we're able to do more interesting things by making it a, a PlayStation exclusive. And and again, I don't know if these are official remarks or remarks that were just made by someone from the company on this. They, they, uh, and I don't even know if Newsweek is like a solid reference for this stuff, but um, it's the article that people were linking to in that Crystal Dynamics uh, spokesperson, not spokesperson, one of the developers, I think. Um, I want to get this name right so I don't forget. Uh, it was a it was a press meeting, a Monday meeting with a small group of media where Dyna- Crystal Dynamics head Scott Amos was talking about this exclusivity. And basically it comes down to the fact that because they've made it exclusive to PlayStation, they're able to do more with the character and they're able to sort of expand upon what would have been Such just a, It is very much bullshit, but the only thing that came to mind for me was the ability to use the movie co- cosmetics, right? Like, make them look like Spider-Man from Far From Home. Make them look like Spider-Man oh, from right. Homecoming. And- yeah, yeah, you're, that's very smart. You're, you're right. There is likely going to, like, to have those costumes in, in for... Uh, a game that is a looter shooter a la destiny that is trafficking in cosmetics mm-hmm. like spider-man has an extensive wealth of costumes but now we're talking that a lot of them come are pulled from the um are pulled from the uh, the cinematic universes uh and so so yeah no that will allow for a lot more incidentally i was reading uh, about spider-man and how they're they're pulling from sort of like Ditko and Ramita aesthetics, like with the webs under the arms and and all of this, like they're hitting all my nerd buttons, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, I'm probably gonna get this PlayStation version, but 
but I, I, and I do, I do understand the, that there is this relationship on some level with Sony, but it just, it's like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Like, and, and I know that, that um, Sony is starting to realize as a company, uh, starting, they have realized as a company, the power of the Spider-Man brand and uh, of the Spider-Man character and the, the people like me that are out there that even though their brains are telling them like, uh, I'm going to ignore this corporate gobbledygook. Like for example, those, the Spider-Man Miles Morales game as released as, as advertised as part of the, uh, the, um, the trailer for the PS5. I am assuming, as are many people, that that game is also going to come out for the PS4. I mean, the original Spider-Man's out on the PS4. Why wouldn't it come out for the PS4? It doesn't look like that much that graphically different, really. Um, you know, so I'm I'm assuming it will just be a little bit of a delayed release on the PS4. But what if they say, oh, you know what? No. It's only coming to PS5. Even though we could put it on PS4, we're only keeping it on PS5. Well, that is going to accelerate my purchase of a PS5, unfortunately. Um, even though it's not gamer-friendly, uh, and a lot of the measures Sony is taking are not gamer-friendly, or in the case of the movie universe, not viewer-friendly. Hmm. But they know that there are people like me and across generations now that are saps for Spider-Man. And uh, I, it, it, you know, like... It, it makes me feel dirty to be part of to be such an easy mark i guess uh, but yeah. like again i find myself an easy mark so some of the yeah and and yeah i'm i'm in the same boat like i i think i was devastated when spider-man was leaving the disney universe but i was going to be the first person to watch the sony spider-man movies or at least pay attention to reviews and see whether it was worth going out to theaters not that theaters exist anymore right now but um you know, I come back to some of these quotes in this article, and and again, if this isn't, if this isn't a solid, uh, solid article, I apologize, but these these quotes are just too damn good. So he goes on to say that so the beauty of Spider-Man and what Spider-Man represents as a character in this world is again, it comes back to the relationship with PlayStation and Marvel. We happen to be the ones who can execute and deliver when it comes down to choices of where and what Spider-Man can be, but that's a relationship question that you know PlayStation absolutely has the rights to as you guys know the Sony's movies or, and it just keeps going. And it's really like, it's kind of like he's, he's been put in this position where he has to defend a decision that he probably doesn't agree with because it, it really comes down to business. And we don't know what that new Disney deal was, right? Maybe it included Spider-Man being an exclusive character for major releases of video games to the PlayStation franchise, like given the option. I mean, you look at, but then you look at another game that came out. No, this was last year before before the deal came out, and it, and it was already done. The game was already done. It was the um, Ultimate Alliance game that came out on Switch, which had Spider Man in, in in the base game, and it was even the same voice. And actor. all the Spider Man, all the Spider Man properties, like uh, like um, Venom, uh, uh, all all of the Sony figures were in there. Yeah, it's it's just a wild thing, and I and I think it's. Uh, I, I don't know whether it's going to hurt the bottom line of this game. I think you're right. Like if the game comes out to kind of middling response and then they add Spider-Man in the new year and they have a new patch that kind of builds up on some of the issues people pointed out. Yeah. It'll end up probably being net positive. But um, how are you feeling about the game? I and here's the thing. I want to get into the beta to I had pre-ordered it a while ago on a sale. So I have it. 
I have like at a discount, I think for like 50 bucks. And I got a code to check out the beta. I put the code into the website and then I got the co- another code from Square Enix saying, here's your code. So I go to enter it and it's like, oh, this car- code's already been used. So it's like the game doesn't want me to like it. But I'm before that, I'm watching the previews and I'm thinking to myself, like, I love the MCU. I love what Marvel's doing right now with their, you know, movie and video game properties. But there's just something about it that looks off to me. And I feel the only way to understand if I'm going to like it or not is to just get my hands on it. And I think that's the beta is perfect for that. Um, so I'm going to check out the open beta if I can't get my code to work. But um, I'm excited. I think the I think the beta could like uh, I think the beta could really negatively affect interest for the game. Uh, it, it, one of the things that that interests me the most is the unknown, like of. Uh, of you know getting my hands and trying trying all of these separate characters um and and feeling how they you know how they feel different because the reality is that 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 it walks this tightrope between being incredibly ambitious but also incredibly it, it could end up incredibly like something like Marvel's Ultimate Alliance which has already existed and I haven't played the, the most recent one on Switch but the two that came out on the Xbox 360 era and near the beginning of the Xbox 360 era consoles were like, they were these ultimate team up games where everybody had their powers and you could all, you know, you could all play together and you could do this stuff and every character could get a zillion costumes and you could do all, you know, and it, it was giant Marvel fan service. And this is like really, yes, yeah, six characters seem a lot. And it is a lot when, when you consider that they are like, um, if each one is developed to the same extent that say Spider-Man is on the Sony PS4 game. Uh, if every, if they have a, a zillion moves and abilities, it's like six games in one, but if it's just like slight edits or slight changes and they all work in similar ways, except one's more of a range guy and one's more, then it ends up being more of a tweak on on ultimate alliance and 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 honestly like looking again i know there's been much hullabaloo about the graphics and i know we've been exposed to the marvel cinematic universe so much that we have ideas of how these people and characters should look like but even by those standards a lot of the character models still look kind of janky like you know b movie replacements or whatever it you just feel like they could have gone perhaps for another art style that would have better served their game and then you have all these people who have actually played it and are saying like, well, you know, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really feel that great. And also it's designed to be a single player game, but also it's designed to be this destiny Anthem like, and to me, that's the biggest alarm bell of all. Cause if you told me I was going to play a kick ass Avengers game, that was like a story, a really cool story that I'm playing through and that maybe there is that multiplayer component where I can play through the campaign with my friends and stuff that I unlock costumes and so forth and so on. Well, I would be really excited, but by, by making it sound really much like a product, like, like this game is starting to feel more and more like, you know, those iPhone Marvel, Marvel's got like 18 games on the iPhone. Yeah. Like it feels like it's starting to feel much more like one of those than, uh, than, than the Spider-Man game on PS4, which I point to as like a sterling example of like a, a shining, you know, product that celebrates a superhero. So I, you know, I, I am the Avengers are do a really good game. They're the number one cinematic franchise in the world. uh, And it just feels like, I mean, uh, 
right now, I'm not a day one purchase on this game. Like, I'm going to wait to see where the reviews lie. And I'm a big Marvel fanboy. And uh, and every piece of press that comes out about this game, it feels like the cursed monkey paw, you know? <laughs> I'm like, what would you like, Crofton? Well, I would like Spider-Man in the game. They're like, okay, well, Spider-Man's <laughs> in the game. But only on PlayStation. I'm like, oh, god damn it. Why did I wish? You know, like, yeah. so, uh, so, yeah, anyway. And I mean, enough about that yeah well i here's the thing i'll, I'll end it on this and uh i'll say that i know spider-man had an exclusive exclusive game on the playstation but i feel like that's that's different in the sense that that's a that's a, a developer and a publisher uh, doing something for their platform with with a with a franchise right like i don't think they i don't think they gained exclusive rights to spider-man this is very much playstation protecting no. what they feel is their is is their licensed ip which is spider-man it makes perfect sony sense. does not own spider-man and that no. that is a misconception i've seen floating around the internet time and time again sony has a, an exclusive agreement on the cinematic rights for the spider-man character and they have through the playstation brand signed uh, uh with marvel to do these the these games and um uh, you know the, the the playstation games whatever which is fine but uh, to Ryan's point earlier about the costumes, like I think that's part of it. Sony sees this opportunity. Like you know for a fact that these the Spider-Man in the Avengers game is going to get the Spider-Man costume that was designed for the PS4 game, right? Uh, and that Spider-Man costume is you know associated with PS4, and they are trying. Sony is bending over backwards to make Spider-Man like a, a PS a PlayStation character in the same vein that Kratos is or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the reality is he is not, he was not created by Sony or for Sony, uh, but they know, they know money when they see it and uh, they're not going to, well, they're not going to, it's one of their most popular licensed uh, properties for movie and now, now video games. So I, I don't blame them for trying to keep it, keep it's keep the characters major portrayals locked to their platform. I totally get it. Um, and I feel for Crystal Dynamics, this can't be, um, they, they are excited. I, I see they're excited to work on Spider-Man, but they cannot be excited to defend this choice, especially in this climate with, uh, with the way some gamers respond to news. I think you and I have done it in a very calm and, and, uh, and, and fair tone, but, uh, the internet is not known for those qualities. And what I'll say, well, do to move us on, and I'll end on this quote, which I thought was very funny. And you alluded oh. to it at the beginning of our conversation. Before you end with the quote, I yes. just want to say one last thing, which is that, that, um, you mentioned how excited they are to work on Spider-Man and I, I can't necessarily blame them, but it might, it must be daunting taking on Spider-Man as a playable character in the wake of those Sony PS4 games right now. Uh, because you know that however he plays is going to be directly compared to those. It is a similar type of game, a third person action adventure game. And everybody likes how, how those games came out and to, to come out very shortly afterwards with a uh, an inferior version of that experience even as dlc i mean people aren't going to be super forgiving so they must be happy but they must must also feel the pressure anyway I, sorry well no i i that's a good point i think if you've seen some of the latest gameplay from the beta the way black widow swings on her uh she has like some uh i want to say like um grappling hooks and then the way miss marvel moves with her stretched out arms I think that's what you're going to get with Spider-Man is a very, um, you know, scaled down version of swinging as opposed to the free swinging that you get 
in in the place i could be completely wrong but i get the sense that's what we're we're gonna get is the kind of old school traversal spider-man of like the you know the just the swinging as opposed to the web slinging so to say so i but i don't know that for a fact hopefully they prove me wrong because i think you're right they need to nail it if they're going to be locking it to a console that has a very direct comparison if you were kind of bridging the spider-man character to the other consoles you could probably you know build it within like i think they put more pressure on themselves by by locking it to the platform you know so we we'll still see but this this quote will get us into the in the last news story basically um they wrapped up this news article with uh we love the idea of being able to bring this character to the playstation players and so as far as everybody goes dude we just announced hawkeye less than a week ago we have two characters announced within a matter of five days the future is bright now again i don't know if that's just like not a great quote but from a if this is a if this is a if this is a fake article um it's still well written from as a satire piece but that quote right there is just like that's the that's the xbox uh one deal with it type uh reaction to this announcement i think maybe on paper they weren't allowed to be remorseful to the other platform holders but man they should have tried to sugarcoat it a little more than we you get hawkeye right everyone gets hawkeye can can someone be happy about Hawkeye? <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, we announced two heroes this week. You know, Spider Man and Hawkeye. You know, like it's yeah. These two things are not the same people. Definitely not. Um, and they have said no more platform exclusive characters. I mean that that is a good thing for them to get ahead of. Whether that remains to be seen, whether that happens, we'll see. But they have committed to no more platform exclusive. Spider Man is the only one. I mean. On one hand, that's good. We don't get many more. But on the other hand, it's like Xbox and PC players are going to be clamoring for some sort of fairness here. So um, the other exclusive stuff we didn't mention, I will say this, is that it's uh, they're getting early access to cosmetics. Um, uh, there's a Spider-Man, a whole Spider-Man event that the Xbox and PC players won't be able to to, to, to look at. But there there's more to this than just Spider-Man. There's a lot of early access this you know, exclusive content that I think you're getting some PlayStation Plus bundles that for free that are going to give you more resources in the game. So there's more to this relationship than just Spider-Man. So definitely dig in. And I mean, if you do get it on PlayStation, it sounds like you're getting the the preferred platform. So if you have a PlayStation or you're planning on getting a PlayStation 5 and you want to play this game, I'd highly recommend getting the PlayStation version. I mean, it seems to be the one that they want you to buy. So Check that out. Uh, play the beta first, though, folks. That's what I'm going to do. Um, our last story here, and we'll we'll try to keep it quick. It, it is a it is a big story, though. Um, but we should have a follow up next week. Blizzard workers organize on company Slack, seeking pay increases. So it turns out Blizzard is one of those companies, and there's been a lot of stories about this within the week, thanks to Jason Schreier's article on Bloomberg, that uh, Blizzard employees are underpaid. In, in terms of um, comparison to similar companies in the same area, like Riot Games. Um, and they've collected, uh, some have been saying in the, in, the, in the way of transparency, they've collected a, a, uh, a spreadsheet of people's pays to kind of see what everyone's getting. There are some pay gaps. There are some issues in terms of people doing the same job and getting paid differently, sometimes drastically. Uh, and through that sort of comparison, they've started to come up with a list of requests for the employer to address. And uh, Blizzard has essentially come out and said and given a, given a quote to Bloomberg saying, hey, 
We're going to look at these um, these requests. We're going to go over them with our employees, and we are going to uh, look at moving forward with. Uh, sorry, look. we look forward to hearing that from them directly. So they are going to have these conversations. I mean, I can't imagine it <laughs> We're going gonna to look at these requests. We're going to fold it up real nice. We're going to shove it straight up there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, see, uh, I see that they've taken their, their corporate speak seriously. At least they're not dismissing stuff out of hand. Uh, I, I just... Um, not to, to interrupt Ryan, but this this is one of those stories that sticks sticks in my craw quite a bit. And uh, kudos to Jason Schreier, who is uh, who is constantly doing great work, uh, be it previously at Kotaku, now with Bloomberg in terms of investigating business practices. Uh, he did that big expose on Ubisoft not that long ago, and now now he's uh, uh, you know people clearly feel comfortable talking to him, and that's great. Um, Blizzard is one of those places that feels like it uh, places organizations, companies that seemingly is on that slow track down, track downwards that began ever since Activision took them over many years ago. Um, but uh, but this is just another low for them uh, recently. And and what I think is great is the the people the reception mostly is that like that when from the the community is that yeah you know, these people should be treated better these people should be paid better um and that they are disgruntled uh, likely for a reason and and we are giving them the benefit of the doubt and when you have Bo- bobby kotick or the the head of the ceo of activision making as much money especially in share options that he does it's egregious that staff don't get paid um that much but that said i uh previously worked in the video game industry years ago and um I've never seen an industry trade so much in passion as the video game industry. It counts on people wanting to work there. Uh, I've heard people say, uh, I would pay to work at Blizzard. Um, and, uh, and I know things have changed, uh, but but I do believe that the, the organization itself, uh, at its core, believes that they can get away with paying people kind of the bare minimum. And so it's glad I'm glad to see them have their feet held to the fire uh, somewhat. And hopefully it's going to lead to some sort of action. Yeah. I mean, this is something in the video game industry that we've been covering a lot lately and um there are these pay gaps. The, they've talked a lot about um, ga- game developers wanting to unionize, uh, and this. You know, Jason Schreier is saying this is probably the the largest example of a, a labor organization where they are they are trying to make a difference. Uh, Blizzard famously, you know, let go eight hundred or so staff members in the support and customer service uh, and social. Um, uh, departments uh, a few years ago and but also reported their their strongest earnings yet so i i think there needs to be this there needs to be this conversation of we're not talking about paying developers uh like a like a crazy amount we're just talking about fair pay right like i, I think they they deserve they deserve fair pay they're making these games and they're making them the products that we purchase and love and and i think it's it's only fair that they get paid comparably across the industry and and when they can yeah i get it working for blizzard maybe 5 6 years ago was a dream a lot of people had and maybe this is why it's starting to um bubble up like at a lot of other a lot of other developers where the nostalgia just isn't there anymore because it's not the same company and that's something we've covered a lot 
they are very it's different. the monkey paw it's yeah. the monkey paw somebody wished for blizzard and then they were like all right you get to work for blizzard but it's bought by activision <laughs> and it's like you know every everybody is everybody's feeling it as i say it's been a slow slide if you look at any blizzard story over the past two years it's almost always skewed negative this is no exception however you're right to point out that it is one of the big ones uh, in terms of move towards organized labor in the gaming gaming industry. So I, ho- I hope that uh, anyway, I, I, you know, you hate to see this sort of stuff and you hope that it leads yeah. to something good, especially during a pandemic. I mean, come on, pay them some money. Yeah. And then that's the thing is I want to see a follow up article to the I'm, I know with Jason, we'll get a follow up article. And I want that article to be you know, positive change for these for these developers, and hopefully Blizzard can can be that developer that says, you know what, we are going to make sure our st-. like they have a there's a lot of talk of like they have a high a high issue with retention. A lot of mentors are leaving the company because they're not being they can be paid more just down the street. Um, there was some pay conversations that went out about how working at Blizzard earned them like sixty k. Uh, at a specific job and then when they moved to riot games down the street they got a hundred and hundred and so k which again that sounds like a lot especially in american dollars but working in that area um in in california i think it's in california it's very expensive to live there so 60k is not cutting it they talk about a lot of developers you know sharing rooms living in their cars just to work at this company and i get it blizzard big deal but you know, there were other stories about someone working at Nintendo and Blizzard tried to tried to um, headhunt them and, and offer them less pay, but said, hey, you're going to work at Blizzard. And it's like, dude, I work for Nintendo. Like, you're you're yeah. kind of using the wrong stick. Uh, sorry, the yeah. wrong carrot on the stick, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's worth it's worth paying attention to. I hope maybe hopefully this is the one where Blizzard like actually does something. But again, it's uh, it's tough. So we'll, we'll and I, I would stress as well that it is Activision Blizzard. Yes. And, and uh, that is one of those things that, like, I know Blizzard gets hammered and stuff like that. And, and rightly so over the past few years is because people have this, this utopic, nostalgic vision of what the, that company used to be. But it is 100% owned by this other company and, and it's all under one CEO and stuff like that. And so... I know there are differences, and they still have their Blizzard campus and all of that. But but it is important to note that uh, they are part of a one of the biggest companies in the world that develops video games. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, that's going to do it for news. I hopefully uh, you folks have joined our Discord at bit.ly/tgi-discord. You can head over there and discuss all of the news and video games we talked about on this here episode. And you can also email us, info at gamersinpodcast.com, if you want to chat about it. Crofton, before we jet out, uh, where can the fine listeners find you? They can find me and follow me on Twitter, at CroftonSteers, one word. Uh, actually, sorry, there's you don't write one word afterwards, so it's at CroftonSteers <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, goodbadbull.com is where you can find uh, Good, Bad, or Bullshit and all the latest episodes. Um, and uh, I do Dungeons and Diapers with Ryan, and we do that tgistudios.com slash dad. And the last thing I'd say is if you enjoy Ryan and I, we ha- are doing, as Ryan mentioned, a Final Fantasy VII spoiler cast, which should be available on this feed shortly. 
Yes. Yes, I will get around to probably after The Last of Us Part 2 stuff is edited. We'll get that all edited and put on the feed. And if you want to hear more about how A Moment in Paper Mario led to some uh, very interesting conversations with our kids, then you can hear that on Dungeons & Diapers this week. It'll be on the feed by the uh, by the weekend. And uh, yeah, Crofton, thank you so much for, for, for jumping on the show this week. It was great to talk Spider-Man with you and Ghost of Tsushima. I'm thinking I might have to get it, but I'll have to look at my schedule. I got to be better about that. I can't. I can't just buy it and not play it. So we'll see. You convinced me though. Oh, I wasn't. I was trying to give it to you, warts and all, buddy. No. I, and here's the thing. I think most people have been have been really talking to me about it, and I've. But I've just kind of like I've tried to tried to you know uh, zone it out, right? Because I'm like I don't have time for this right now. But uh, maybe. Maybe if Avengers face palms, I'll uh, I'll look at Ghost of Tsushima, which is looking a little more likely uh, and now. And I will look to figure out how to join this beta because I hadn't even considered doing that, but that might scratch my itch, and therefore I, or it might make me more interested in the game. Who knows? Maybe I think the open beta starts later in August, so you don't have to pre-order to get it. Get it, but if you pre-order on PlayStation, you can get access on Friday. So. Uh, yeah damn playstation (laughs) (laughs) yeah well wait over my i'm sorry listeners to remind you of of all that fun stuff at the very end but you can definitely check out all the other episodes even the ones where we discuss spider-man on the ps4 at gamersinpodcast.com you can follow us on twitter you can find jocelyn at joss plays myself at r murphy crofton at crofton steers one word and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in uh oh wait no at crofton steers not not what i said Uh, Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Tune in next week and have yourselves a fantastic week. I don't know why I did that. I love you, Spider-Man.